That's an intriguing reading, like I said. Hey, there's an awful lot going on. But we're starting a new preaching series. And our preaching series is, you might have picked up, two little letters, re. And we're going to take you on a cycle over the next five weeks. Today we begin with refreshing your faith in Jesus' understanding. A great way to get into the new year and what God has in store for us. I want to test your general knowledge. There are two words that when spoken from the heart have an absolutely amazing life-changing effect. They breathe life into a withering soul. They make the downtrodden walk like a champion. Any idea what they might be? They are not some Harry Potter words or even a quote from Gandalf. Sorry, Megs. Although I can understand Gandalf might have well said them several times. But they have been proven over and again to be absolutely life-transforming. And the real secret of these two words is that they are better demonstrated than spoken. Closer to guessing what those two words might be? I understand. I understand. When we show that, we transform the life of the person we're showing it to. In the great big tangled mess that makes up people like us, and people in general, there are many things we don't understand, many behaviors that we might look at and think, my goodness, what are they doing? But that's okay. Because Psalm 33, 13 to 15, tell us, the Lord looks down from heaven and sees the whole human race. From his throne he observes all who live on the earth. He made their hearts. So he understands everything they do. Isn't that powerful? Eh? He made our hearts so he understands everything we do. Jesus gets us. He understands the mess you are. The mess I am. And let's be perfectly honest with each other. A lot of us put out a brave front, eh? where there's chaos going on behind that front. Jesus understands that chaos. He knows right where you are at this very moment. In our Gospel reading, we meet a woman who had been rejected by the other woman of the village. How do we know that? Well, why else would she be coming out to draw water in the middle of the day? That was either an early morning activity while it was still cool, 
or an evening activity if you hadn't drawn enough in the morning and you needed water to get through the night. Thankfully, we don't have to go out to a well to draw water yet. But it was very much a social activity. I mean, men, we can imagine a group of women going off to draw water and talking about what happened yesterday, what happened to that home, what's happening here, what happened in the neighboring village. Of course, we men would never do that. But it was a social occasion. So if she's coming on her own, and if she's coming in the middle of the day, it's very clear that the rest of the women in the village have said to her, you're no longer one of us. We don't want to hear what you've got to say. We don't even want to talk to you. And ladies, that would be absolutely devastating, wouldn't it? To be given that silent treatment from your friends. What she didn't expect was to find God sitting in the dust waiting for her. And that's what she found. A tired, thirsty, probably irritated, certainly sweaty, dusty Jesus waiting for her there. Now, over the years, libraries have been written, many academic papers occupy shelves, archives have been preached on their conversation because it is a life-transforming conversation. But we're not going to do that today. I want us to think about what Jesus did not say. Nowhere in that passage did Jesus condemn her or judge her. Absolutely nowhere do we find that the one who knows everything whips out a list of her sins and says, my girl, we've got to work on those. Nowhere. He doesn't even say to her the famous Jesus sentence, go and sin no more. So what did he do? Well, he engaged her in dignified conversation. Do you know how rare that was? What it still is? He engaged her in dignified conversation. Listening to her as an equal. Jesus understood her. He knew that she had been emotionally battered enough by everybody else around her. He knew that her life was filled with regrets and she lived with the consequences of her choices every moment. She didn't need another rebuke. She didn't need someone else to tell her what was wrong. She'd heard all of that already. 
What she did need was a life soul-quenching drink of living water. The effect of Jesus understanding her was so powerful that what did she do? Her immediate reaction was leave behind her purpose for going there. What's happening up there, look? Leave behind her purpose for going there, the jar of water, and go back to the village. Talk to the very people that had rejected her and say, come and meet the man who told me everything I ever did. Could he be the Messiah? And then, the entire village follow her out. Such is the power of a transformed life. That this woman who they didn't want anything to do with, they're now following out to the well like she's the Pied Piper of Hamlin. That is the power of a transformed life. Can we ever comprehend it? But that was her. What about you? Perhaps you're in a similar life crisis, a spiritual emptiness. Perhaps you're struggling to come to terms with relationships that have ended and you don't know why. Perhaps you've tried to leave things in your past. I'm sure you've had those thoughts. Say, that was then, I'm not that anymore. And then they come back and bite you later. You might even be feeling that your faith has been drained right out of you. That's okay. That really is okay. You're not the first, and you won't be the last to feel that way. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament in the form of his letters to the various churches, wrote, I don't understand myself at all. For what I really want to do is what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very things I hate. And you can read more about that in Romans 7. But the really good news is that Jesus understands. He knows our innermost being. He remembers how we were made from dust. Human weakness, therefore, is not a surprise nor a disappointment to God. And I need you to hear that really, really clearly. Our weakness is not a surprise nor a disappointment to God. What anybody has ever, ever told you, you cannot disappoint 
whatever it is you think you might have done, He loves you just the same and is waiting for you to come back. If you think of Jesus as a strict disciplinarian, knowing everything you've done with that long list, and God and the Holy Spirit standing there as backup in forces, just watching out for you to slip up, you need to start thinking again. You need to have your thought process transformed. God is tender and compassionate. The number one lesson Jesus taught us and showed us is how to love. Not judge. How to love. Don't beat yourself up when you stumble and fall. Because you will. I will. We all do. Know that when you do, Jesus is standing there with his arm outstretched waiting to help you back up again. Why? Because he understands that we are human. We are weak. We are, dare I say, temporary. Jesus understands when we are tempted. He was too. He understands when we get angry. He got angry too. He understands our inner struggle. He had those too. When he saw the woman coming to the well, he saw a woman in deep, deep pain, whose heart had been broken several times over, and he understood. We read every year in the Easter narrative that Jesus was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows familiar with suffering. He had nothing in his countenance that would attract us to him. A nice way of saying he might have been a little ugly. But he knows, and he knows us through and through. So, don't fall into the trap of thinking that because Jesus walked this earth 2,000 odd years ago, however you like to date your calendar, don't think that because he walked and got dust on his feet that long ago that he doesn't have a clue about our chaotic pain. He knew, he felt. That's why he understands. Pain is pain. Rejection is rejection. Whether you are wearing sketches or sandals, robes or Levi's, pain is pain. Rejection is rejection. And even if now we're not sure that Jesus understands, let me draw your attention to the most difficult verse in all of Scripture. Again, it's in Isaiah. It's Isaiah 53.10. And as it's recorded in the message, this is what it says. This is what God had in mind all along 
to crush him with pain. What? God had it in mind all along to crush his son with pain. Nice one, Dad. God wanted Jesus to be crushed. And when we read a bit further, God was pleased. Yet it was the only way to build the bridge between humanity and God. How effective would our faith be? Would that bridge of understanding be if we were able to say, Jesus had it easy. He doesn't understand what it means to be rejected by your buddies. He doesn't understand our suffering, our temptation. He doesn't have a clue. But we can't say that, can we? We can't say that with any justification whatsoever. God was pleased that Jesus was crushed. That's why he understands us. Wherever we are, whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. So my friends, right now, as we begin this series, refresh your faith that Jesus understands you. Just as you are. He even understands how you got to be where you are. And knows what's needed to draw you forward again. Jesus knows your problems and your personal pain. This week, listen carefully in those moments of quiet that we have. Listen carefully and hear once more his invitation. Come, drink of the living water that it would well up in you to be a spring of eternal life. Amen.